He's handsome and smart. A true blue Jetson Knights fan. A part of Australia's Hollywood royalty. From General Hospital to Occupation Rainfall, NCIS LA to All Saints. Newcastle Live Radio's very own Nova Castrian in Hollywood. It's time to cross to LA to catch up with Zach Garrod. It certainly is time to cross to LA where it's uh, nice and warm. There's no rain over there. Oh, oh, handsome. Wants to go twice. One second. Wants to go twice to Zach this morning. Good morning, Mr. Garrett. How are you? Uh, good morning, Tracy. Yeah, I don't think we've had rain since February. Oh. So, uh, yeah, it's very, very dry. We actually just went for a walk to the, the Lake Hollywood just up behind our place here where the Hollywood Dam is. Um, and it's 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 got water in it. Mm-hmm. Not a lot, but there's water there. I mean... <laughs> So if you guys want to send some over, I, I think we'd gladly share the burden with You'll you. You'll take it. You'll take it, will you? <laughs> Very happily so, yeah. So have the floods been making uh, making media over there? It, it has. It has. But it's sort of funny because they were a lot bigger in, um, in, in February, March this year when Lismore went under. Um, that was a much bigger conversation. These ones, it's more just talking about just the, the, the huge amount of rain that has been falling in Sydney and the amount of it. I think they said they had a whole month's worth of rain in three days mm. and, and they were talking about that and they were interviewing some of the people from the Bureau of Meteorology down there talking about how this consistency is just overwhelming catchments. I mean, we saw it in Maitland. It was pushing the, the levee. Yeah. <laughs> Almost to, like, like the Led Zeppelin song, my goodness, they were right. If it keeps on raining, the levee's going to break. Absolutely. Did. <laughs> in, in, in this instance, thank, thankfully mm. didn't. I'm glad everybody's safe and sound up there because it's um, it's obviously very sad to see people who have lost a lot out of this um but yeah they're sort of framing it in the context like they were the like australia was with the wildfires last year here in california how it just kept going it just Mm. seemed to be this perpetual disaster that just keeps unfolding it's um it's it's unbelievable to witness it really is it is and uh gilliston uh, heights is still gilliston island it's all on its own it's sitting over there uh and uh you know like when you think about those kind of things and uh you know lismore getting inundated was uh was horrible and then you think about gilliston island over here you think about the wallenby tavern which uh it went over the roof you know we're talking some major disasters here it's just it's mind-blowing it is. It takes time to recover, too. A great example of that is um, our parents run an accommodation business up in Byron Bay. Um, they manage some apartments up there, and they've actually had people from some of the social welfare services taking kids and taking people to stay in those apartments up there um, who are either in foster care or they're in, in the care of the community in some capacity. But there's nowhere to put them because the houses in Lismore have been flooded out, and there's other places inland around Mullumbimby and places like that that still have not been rebuilt. So they literally have nowhere to go and stay if they're in foster care or if they're in the care of docs or something like that. So they're turning to local accommodation. I mean, look, the, the conversation around accommodation in Byron Bay and, of course, the the, the absurd rental prices mm. there is another thing. But the, the, this is a very real result of places like Lismore being inundated and whole communities being washed away. And then people who do need help and services from the community cannot cannot uh, they, they can't access it in Lismore anymore so they've got to go out to places like Byron and it's it's a it's a lingering issue mm. it lingers for some time and it's um it, I mean we all know why this is happening because mm. the, the climate is changing and things are shifting I don't think I've ever seen Bar, uh, Bar Beach 
stripped back so often in my life. I've only seen it from photos from mm. my mates who have been down there. Um, I remember it happened once when I was in, when you know when I was younger in Newey during the Pasha storm. I remember my dad said it happened once in the in the Cigna storm, and now it's happened twice this year. It's unbelievable. It really is, and it looks like a a bit of a milkshake uh, yesterday. Some of the photos, as oh. uh, as you said, that you've seen that have made their way over to you. Yeah. You know, it is. Uh, it's just mind blowing what's uh, what's happening, and uh, as you said, it's it happening is. regularly. You know, these these once in a hundred yeah. year floods. Yeah, we've had them in uh, in we've had several in the last uh, two to six months. You know, they're not one in 100 year they're they're normal now no exactly right it's it's the it's the consistency with which they're occurring and obviously we're experiencing the other side of it here which is the prolonged drought that's always been an issue here in los angeles has always been particularly in southern california we should say mm-hmm. is water flow down south so like hollywood bring it back to what i mentioned mm-hmm. earlier that was one of uh, mulholland who mulholland was one of the designers to get water down to the south of california and lake hollywood was one of the um one of the big instruments in his infrastructure so we're now in a really serious situation with water allocation and water water retention in southern california arizona new mexico and nevada but weirdly enough one of the most um one of the most consistently uh, conscious places when it comes to water retention is Las Vegas. <laughs> Las Vegas is, I know, right? <laughs> the, the, the place of largesse and no modesty and, of course, you know, what Do happens whatever in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yep. But apparently if there's a shower in Vegas, it stays in Vegas as well. So the, they're actually really conscientious when it comes to retaining water there because they are in the middle of a, a massive desert. Um, so, you know, while the East Coast of Australia is currently parts of it are still submerged around the Hawkesbury and the Western Sydney and, of course, around Maitland and Gilliston and Greta and Pitnacree and those places. Uh, over here, we're going on now for, I think, this is, this is our second month without a single drop of rain. That's amazing, isn't it? What's Hoover Dam yeah. looking like? I've, I've seen some incredible vision of Hoover Dam and, uh, you know, the way that uh, things that haven't been sighted in uh, in many, many, many decades are now being uh, being yeah. exposed, you know. <laughs> Obviously, it's very close to Vegas. It's very close to be able to put yeah. the cement shoe blocks on. There's lots yes. being unveiled, isn't there now? There's, there's two places. That, there's that one there, Hoover Dam, which is one, because it is massive. Of course, it's a huge area, but it is getting so low that it's starting to reveal quite a few deeply buried secrets from Las Vegas's time, <laughs> uh, particularly <laughs> during its colourful period in the 60s, 70s and 80s, although one could say it's still quite colourful. Mm. Um, but there's another one on the East Coast, not far from Jersey, which is legit answering, which is legit solving murders. <laughs> they're, they're, they're finding... They're finding bones and bodies and they're finding clothing and things are going oh wow this is so and so from the 90s they haven't found jimmy hoffa they're not quite still at the jimmy haven't found hoffa him yet? stage no yet. damn it but yeah no he's wonder if they'll find harold so, holt yeah. over there as well harold may be somewhere here yeah if he pops up <laughs> that'd be great if harold holt popped up in hoover that's great alliteration man that'd be great yeah. wouldn't it yeah. <laughs> now some of the other things that uh, that have been grabbing attention um over here from the u.s uh, this week has been obviously the tragic situation of uh you know the japanese former prime minister being shot but it's mm. made calls over there in the u.s for uh better geography being taught in schools because <laughs> the today show put up a flag of korea not Jap- the Japanese yeah. flag. What the hell? I mean, I know that you, that a lot of Americans have got no idea what's outside, where they are. They 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 sometimes mistake Australia for Austria. You know, it's it's horrid. That what is taught in the schools when it comes to geography <laughs> is not very good. Yes. But come on, a major media yeah. outlet puts a instead of the Japanese flag puts a Korean flag up. What the? 
Yeah, NBC really dropped the ball on that one, as it were. It was uh, it was very very poor because Shinzo Abe's assassination, of course, was a was a big talking point over here because of his he was uh, Prime Minister of Japan while during the Trump presidency, and you know famously had a bit of a frosty relationship with Trump. But yes, uh, NBC they played footage of the, the, I think it was the South Korean embassy, and it was the South Korean flag. Uh, flying and you know which is which is white yes with a circle mm. in the middle but mm. it's a little different it has the red and the blue the yin and the yang and of course has has the um has the artistic impressions on the outside of the circle it's not quite the the red rising sun no, not which quite. i would have thought was you know pretty obvious given japan is one of america's closest commercial commercial and uh and military partners i would have thought that was a bit of a no-brainer but yeah Ge- geography is not one of the strongest things here. I know a lot of Americans are obviously quite surprised when we talk about the size of Australia compared to the size of America, how it's almost comparable, basically. And that does surprise people is the geographic size of it. But, yeah, I, I think you, you, if someone from the middle of Missouri can't tell me, you know, can't point to Japan on a map, you know, okay, I, I get it, that's mm, fine. Yeah. But a, ma- a major media outlet... I mean, goodness gracious, guys! That, that was a bit of a yeah, a, a, bit, a bit of a failure. There was another famous one with, with the New Zealand flag. I think it was at a, it was at an Olympic ceremony or World Championship ceremony once, where they raised one of our guys. One they raised the Kiwi flag instead of the Australian flag. I do remember that happening, but I, I don't think that was in the US. <laughs> It's it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Now, yeah. I, I love this next story that we're going to talk about because it truly does show just the craziness of what's going on over there. But uh, a pregnant woman in Dallas, she was, uh, she was given a fine as she was driving <laughs> in the carpool lane. Now, she's argued that because of Roe versus Wade decision, her unborn born child is a person and therefore counts yeah. as a second passenger in her car. I love that. That's brilliant. Now, that's how you fight it. <laughs> she's she's essentially put it back onto them, hasn't she? She's like, well, prove me I'm wrong, guys. Yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, her name's Brandy Batone, and I, I mean, I don't know what the I don't we, do we don't do we really have carpool lanes in Australia? Is that a yeah. thing? I mean, yeah, it, sure it is. is. Okay, because yeah. yeah, it, it's a huge thing here, obviously, particularly mm. on the big freeways like the 101, the 405, and stuff like that. Um, so she was driving the carpool lane, and you know, you're supposed to have a second person in there as a rule. And she's, I think, she's six months pregnant or something like that. And a Dallas police officer pulled her over and fined her for driving in the carpool lane. She said, well, look, I'm pregnant. My child is currently here with me. Mm. So by definition, according to the Roe vs. Wade ruling, uh, this is a second person in the car with me. So how am I breaking the law? <laughs> and the, the Dallas officer's <laughs> response was, well, they need to be outside of your body. Well, that's not Roe, what <laughs> to, Roe vs. Wade says. Yeah, exactly right so to be counted as a person they need to be outside of your body which of course mm. brings a whole different conversation to it doesn't it yeah it, it's um <sighs> it is a very interesting one and there's been some funny little curly ones thrown up like that lately and of course texas as we know has the six-week abortion mm. ban meaning that no abortions are permitted after six weeks and we already know we talk about this often on the show how texas has this absurd absurd um uh, hotline that you can call to dob physicians in who are performing abortions after six weeks you can dob people in on suspicion of having an abortion it's just ridiculous it's just an embarrassing thing to have so texas is right at the forefront of this of this uh, abortion debate um and then the church of satan came out and said look part of our religious practice is to is autonomy of women so this ruling goes against our our right to practice the freedom of religion 
So the Church of Satan have come up and said, your ruling goes against our religious practices. So what are you going to do about that? And then as we've said, discussed previously on the show, the Jewish community have said, well, abortion is sometimes a necessary part of their religious practice because they see a, they see a person who is born, not conceived. So an abortion is necessary sometimes for the safety of the mother. So if this goes ahead, it contravenes Jewish religious practices. So... This is really interesting, particularly when you have someone like Lauren Boeber, who shot her mouth off last night and said that she's sick of this separation of church and state nonsense. So she wants to see a, a, basically a Christian ethno state merging with the government, more or less. I mean, she, she's a lunatic anyway. But uh, that, that's, that's what they want to have out of this, is ultimately this legal system, the judicial system, influenced by Christian theology and hard, hard, I should say, fundamentalist Christian beliefs, I should say that, mm. um, because it is, it's a fundamentalist obsession these people have, but it's going against basic principles of other religions, and then you also have this woman who asked a very poignant question, very straightforward, mm. Bro versus Way said, I'm carrying a person, so therefore, there's two people in this car, what are you going to do about that? <laughs> I just love it. I, I just I love the way that people are going. Well, no, I'm sorry, but you know what? You want to play this game, then I'm going to play that game. It's uh, it's just yes, brilliant. Of course. It's brilliant. Yeah. It, it, it does. It, it's. It's very smart. Yeah. It is. It is. Now, the other one that I wanted to bring uh, that uh, you brought to my attention today, it is unbelievable. It is a 1955 case. Now, tell us a little yeah. bit about this one and uh, and what's going on because it's uh, it's all of a sudden come back into uh, into popular uh, you know society and it's a 1955 case. Tell us all about it. Now, some people will be familiar with the name Emmett Till. Emmett Till was a 14-year-old African-American boy who was beaten to death in Mississippi in 1955 by two white men after a woman, a woman named Carolyn Bryant um, said that she was groped and whistled at by 14-year-old Emmett Till. When she told the two white men, one of whom was her husband, what had happened, they went and they bashed him and they lynched him. It was a disgusting disgusting um race driven crime it was it was a hate crime it was one of the most most reprehensible acts during the uh during the the the, the civil rights movement from the 50s into the 60s and it's often used as an incredible miscarriage of justice because the two men who bashed and killed him and lynched him they were found not guilty by a white jury um the woman who made the accusation carol bryant she lied about it and she admitted this to a historian later on that he that Emmett Till never touched her, never whistled at her, anything like that. But she told these two men that he did. They went, they ended his life. Now, when Emmett was killed, his mother demanded that he have an open casket funeral so people could see what they did to her boy, to see exactly what this hatred brings. So it was quite a um, it was quite an emotional and poignant experience mm. for Mississippi at that time. Now this week. An arrest warrant was found in a filing cabinet in Mississippi for Carol Bryant. This arrest warrant was issued in 1955 to arrest her on lying to the police. So they had an idea back in 1955 that she may have lied to them about uh, Emmett Till accosting her. The warrant was never issued. It was never, it was never executed. Um, it just sat in a drawer. So the warrant came in, and whoever the police chief was in, in, at that time just put it away and just ignored it, never followed through with it. 
flash forward to today where the warrant has been found and warrants never expire unless of course a court unless a course or a, a court or a judge dismisses it so she can still be arrested so now there's a movement to get her to to, to have her held account uh, have her held to account for what she did in 1955 which was lie about something that led to the death of a 14 year old african-american boy so you know the wheels of justice do turn very slowly at times but in this case, it may very well bring closure to one of the most diabolical examples of a hate crime in American history. Um, and Emmett Till has, of course, been used as, a, as an example of, of, you know, of an innocent man, an innocent young boy, mm. <laughs> you know, having his life taken from him just from nothing more than hatred, nothing more than racial prejudice and racial hatred. I mean, we've seen it here with Ahmad Arbery recently. We, we see, we've seen it a few times, of course, across the United States with young African-American boys being killed by people for, for doing nothing. Letitia, um, Letitia Harding, who was killed in uh, 1992 before the LA riots, she was shot and killed by a Korean shopkeeper because she had a bot bottle of juice in her hand and the shopkeeper thought she was going to steal it. She was shot and killed for that. And then the shopkeeper got off with community service. So the, a lot of those stories have, uh, have a certain amount of seeding in what Carol Bryant did in 1955, which was tell a lie that led to the death of a young man. And then eventually, eventually, we're going to hopefully get some closure out of this. But back then, um, the whole thing was just dismissed. That's just incredible, isn't it? So, how old yeah. is she now? And uh, and obviously, uh, yeah, how far forward are the police in and you know finally, finally you know addressing this uh, this outstanding warrant? Yeah, okay. she's in her late eighties now, and it's before the courts again. So mm -hmm. the warrant hasn't expired; it's there, and that they're free to go and arrest her and charge her with what uh, with with whatever the warrant mm -hmm. is issued for. I'm pretty sure it was for lying to the mm -hmm. police. So it just shows that across the board there, across the judicial system in Mississippi, as we already know, 1955, there was this prejudicial uh, prejudice embedded in the system to the point where a police chief received a warrant to go and arrest someone who lied to the mm. police, who committed a crime themselves, but in doing so would have acknowledged that the police were wrong, that the complainant was wrong, and of course the two men that bashed and killed this boy were also wrong. Oh, and there's another thing too, the two guys who were charged with his murder, they were, I think they were charged eventually with manslaughter or something, and they were, of course they were acquitted by an all-white jury. Mm. They admitted in an interview with a magazine a few years later that they did go and bash and kill and lynch him. Um, again, based off what Carol Bryant told them. It's just incredible. I can't uh, can't wait to see that one uh, unfold. Now, the yeah. other uh, really interesting thing, obviously, over here in Australia, we're dealing with a, a significant surge in uh, in COVID nineteen. You've got the same issue over there. Oh yeah, yeah, it's very much happening here. Yeah, it, it's 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 everywhere in the community. We've got a lot of friends who have had it. I'm sure plenty of people in, in yeah. Australia and of course in Newcastle and Hunter Valley know people who have had it. Um, so we're we're dealing mostly with an Omicron wave here, but mm. we're at a point where the hospitalizations just crossed 1,000 today for LA County. Now, if we get to 10 hospitalizations per 100,000 people in the community, we go back to a mandatory indoor mask mandate. We're currently at 8.4 hospitalizations per 100,000 in the community. Mm. So we're a little bit off that, but they're saying based off the current trajectory, it's quite likely that we will be back to an indoor mask mandate by the end of July, which is not something that I think anybody no. is excited about doing or, or really wants to go back to. But 
but the, the interesting thing about the hospitalizations right now is 60% of cases, COVID cases in hospital, are actually admitted for other reasons. So they come in for heart issues or broken bones, something like that, and then they're diagnosed with COVID on site. So that, that's, that's counted as a hospitalization if they're kept in with COVID complications. Mm. So only 40% of hospital admissions are actually people who have COVID and then have to go to hospital for it. Um, but a really interesting byproduct of this is we had a friend of ours who had to go to hospital here recently for something. And, of course, as we've discussed, the medical system here in California is all right, but across America, it's, 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 it's problematic. <laughs> That's a polite um, way of saying it. Yeah, the diplomatic way of putting it. Um, and she, she presented herself to the hospital. But the problem was the homeless issue here is so serious that they go to hospital for their ailments and, and their needs. And then someone like our friend couldn't be seen because the amount of homeless people there that needed to have their, have their issues addressed. Mm. So it's, uh, it's backlogging into the system now because of homelessness has obviously, it, it's an issue in Los Angeles. It's increased since the pandemic. It's now spilling into the hospital system as well as having a COVID surge. So this is why they're talking about having the mask mandate at the very least to try to take some of the pressure off the system. It's it truly is it's the the wave that's coming again. It's you know we've got two thousand people in hospital in uh, in New South Wales again today. You know oh, it's really? it's really ramping up here, and uh, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised either if we end up with a mask mandate uh, back inside. Not yeah. sure how the Australians will cope with that, but uh, it is where we're you know, it's where we're at. My friend, thank you yeah. so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, you uh, you yeah. stay safe over there. Enjoy uh, enjoy the dry weather. Although I will try and send some of that rain over to you. <laughs> We, we, we've had we enough, okay? We, anything, we've had enough. Yeah. You can have it now. We're very happy to take it off your hands, guys. Let us know when you're done and we'll come pick it up. Fantastic. You know, like gum tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll just yeah, we'll just put it on there and off, off it goes. It can go over to you. Thank you so much. You stay really safe over there, won't you, especially with, uh, with what's going on with COVID, and, uh, and we'll chat very soon. Well, indeed, Tracy. See you later. Thank Thanks, you. mate. Thank you. Thanks. That is uh, Zach Garrett joining us live from LA. You're with Tracy Mack on your Castle Live. Newcastle in the morning takes you through the big events and the most talked about stories of the day that matter to you and your life. From what's on to what matters, Tracy Mack takes you beyond the headlines, what it is, why it matters and how it impacts your daily life. Tracy Mack brings you Newcastle in the morning, weekdays from nine on Newcastle Live.